Welcome to the Wealth and Legacy Builders podcast. This is your host, Kristen Minnith, the faithful investor. As a self-made millionaire, I've gained a unique perspective on money over the last 20 years. If you're exhausted, running ragged, pursuing the next strategy to finally make it to financial freedom, this podcast is for you. Here we'll dive into what the creator of the universe says about wealth, how to get it, how to keep it, and how to grow it. God has that missing piece for you, hidden truths for you to seek out in his word. Tune into the Wealth and Legacy Builders podcast every Monday morning as we go deeper each week. Hello, welcome to the Wealth and Legacy Builders podcast. I'm your host, Kristen Mennett. This is episode four. I'm actually going to dive in today based on a question that I actually got from someone I love and care about. Um, She says, I feel like I'm so over this chase of money. Like if I chase God, what's supposed to come will. The hustle of money is just exhausting. How do you even connect the two, money and God? So I love this question because I don't believe we're supposed to connect the two. I believe God is supposed to be our everything. The problem is when we are, we're living in this world, we're stuck in like everything that's right in front of us, whether that be our finances, whether that be our home, our piles of laundry, our business that we're running, our marriage, our kids, our relationships, our social lives, all of it is like right here in front of us. And it's really, really easy to kind of push God into the background, whether or not we know it. And that's what I, one thing that why I love to speak about self-awareness because self-awareness to me is, it has to be the start of everything. If you don't have an awareness that you need to grow or an awareness that you need to change, then, well, you're just going to stay exactly where you are. And Truthfully, no matter where you are in life, I believe that God wants to grow you from there. He has another level for you in every aspect of your life, in your spiritual life, in your relationships, in your finances, all of it, all of it. And so the world tells us, here's the strategy to make more money. And when you make more money, you can go on this vacation and you won't be stressed about your bills and you will have a nicer house and all these things are gonna finally work out for you. So just all you need to do is make more money. Now, that message is so popular and it gets a lot of people's attention because money does matter. We need money. That is the world we live in. And God knows that. He doesn't deny that. He knows that. Scripture is filled with God's provision, like cast your burdens on him. And, you know, if he even cares for the lilies or the ravens, if they're cared for and provided for, wouldn't he provide for you? So this is throughout scripture. And yet, how do we apply that to our life? How do we show up in this world of business and hustle and do this strategy, this strategy, do this. You have to hire this coach, buy this course, do this, 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 this to make money. It's exhausting. Throughout scripture, God wants to be glorified. He wants us to look to him as our ultimate provider and to trust and have faith that he has got us outside of what we see right here, right now in this moment of struggle, where my husband and I, we are in a season of not just struggle, but literally things just feel like they're collapsing all around us. In 2015, 
we went through some of the hardest period in our entire lives. We were getting sued by, I don't even know what to say about it. We were getting sued. We were targeted. We actually have emails back and forth between my husband and I. They're trying to sue us. You can tell by the way they're speaking to us, by the way they're wording things and putting everything in writing and we need to be on our A game. It doesn't matter if you're on your A game. If you're a target, you're a target. Then we had a contractor destroy our house and flood our entire house. It was unlivable. That same time he disappeared with tens of thousand dollars of our money. The same thing happened with a landscaper we were working with, disappeared with our money. Then in all of this, I found out I was pregnant and I thought, I, I laughed. I wanted another child. I was so happy, but I, I was like, God, right now, right now. So 2015 was more than a challenging time for us, but I'm so grateful because the, the hard times we're going through now, seven years later, I can stand on God's provision and how he brought us out of that today because I know what he's done for, uh, for us before. And you can stand on that in God's word and how he showed up time and time again for his people. And when I say that, I am not talking about every single person on this planet, unfortunately. I'm talking about people he calls righteous, people he calls beloved. These are people who looked to God first, who obeyed God, who made a lot of mistakes, but repented. And ultimately, they didn't strive for things. They didn't strive for their own glory. Their striving was focused on walking God's narrow path. So as far back as, as uh, Noah and Abraham and Joseph and on and on and on. David's a great example because David messed up so many times, but, the, but he was always called God's beloved because he repented. And he, no matter what, he was focused on doing God's will, glorifying God, and, and stepping into that man that God called him to be. He was the anointed king of Israel, but he, he wasn't living that life for years and years and years and years and years. He was wandering the wilderness, be, running from a murderous king who was out to just destroy him. And honestly, he was struggling and suffering. But he knew what God had promised over his life, and he showed up in faith to walk that every day. The same was true for Joseph. If you know the story of Joseph in the Old Testament, he was sold into slavery by his brothers, who actually wanted to murder him, but they're like, hey, we may as well make money off of him instead. And so they sold him into slavery. He ends up in Egypt, and he's working in this household, and literally is framed for trying to rape his master's wife, framed for it. He was, he was innocent and thrown into jail for years. So he's in an Egyptian jail. Now to a Hebrew man, Egypt is like the most pagan, ungodly place. And he's thrown into this, this prison as a foreigner for years. Now, when Joseph was younger, he did, he was given visions in his dreams that, that his family would be, be bowing down to him. That's what made his brothers so jealous and so angry that they actually sold him and got rid of him. But man, like God is so good. So years and years and years go by 
And eventually he is, God opens a door of opportunity. And while he's in prison, he, there's two other men in there who had dreams. God through Joseph was able to interpret these dreams. And the wine bearer who he had interpreted his dream and he said, you will be back in Pharaoh's court soon. And I think it was three days later, the wine bearer was back in Pharaoh's court. And Joseph said to him, when you get there, remember me, help me get out of prison. He didn't, didn't remember Joseph. Joseph stayed there another two years, I believe. And it wasn't until Pharaoh himself was having dreams that were tormenting him. And that's when years later, the wine bearer says, wait, there's a guy who can help you and can tell you what your dreams mean. And so Pharaoh pulls Joseph out and Joseph says, I cannot interpret your dream, but my God can. So Pharaoh's requirement was that whoever interprets his dream would also have to tell him what the dream was. He wasn't going to tell them what the dream was. So Joseph told him what his dream was and told him what it meant. And because of that, Joseph was given authority and dominion over all of Egypt, all the regions. He was second in command of Pharaoh. He was the most powerful person in the world governing over everything. And when the famine came, that's what the dreams were about. Seven years of plenty and seven years of famine. The Egyptians were prepared. So when the Hebrews were coming to Egypt to get food, because Egypt was the only place you could get food, guess what? His brothers came and bowed down to him just as Joseph's dream when he was a younger boy had predicted. But if you think of this, I want you to think of this as, as it pertains to your life. When we are successful, when we're walking in faithfulness with God, does it always feel good? Absolutely not. We go through valleys. We feel those, those ups and downs. It's like a roller coaster ride. And I imagine that that is true when, when Joseph's going through all this too. He did not know how it was going to end, but no matter what, God was first and he was obedient. When God gave him the opportunity to speak and interpret those dreams, he did it and God used that. So it's interesting in that a lot of people criticize what people do for a living or um, you know, what businesses you, you even purchase from. And to some extent, and like this, this isn't me telling you what to do, but I want you to, this is, you should be asking God, where does he want you? Joseph was in Egypt, the most pagan place, did not glorify God. Like literally they're worshiping idols and they have nothing to do with God. They don't care about Joseph's God. And Joseph is in charge of all of it. When his brothers came, they didn't even recognize him because he's dressed as an Egyptian. He has got his hair and makeup done as an Egyptian. He doesn't look like a Hebrew. And I think a lot of people today would have judged Joseph for that. A lot of people today would have been like, oh, that's just so not Christian of you to like be working in Egypt. How dare you? Well, Where's God calling you and why? That's what matters. It's not about, we're not supposed to fellowship with the sinners and the scoffers, but we are called to be out in this world in some capacity. And we can't just sit around together and not do God's will and not, you know, spread the gospel. That's not what we're called to do either. We hunker down together. 
that's not what Christ did. So I think a lot of us today would have judged Joseph for that, that he's sitting there, you know, living in the lap of luxury in Egypt, but that's where God wanted him. And that's what God could use because Joseph was obedient. And so I think a lot of these people, we, 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 in, in scripture, they were seeking God first. They were seeking righteousness and first. What we seem to do today, we seek money first, and then we're like, okay, well, now that I have the money, now I can do something for you, God. Now I can, you know, give over here or do this for so-and-so. But unfortunately, our focus isn't on God. Our focus is on money. And I, I do understand that and I have compassion like for that because when you can't pay your bill or, you know, debt collectors are calling you or, you know, your tenants are calling you because, and they, you have tens of thousands of dollars of repairs on a property that you're not making money on and you don't know how you're going to pay your mortgage. Life can be hard. And it seems like in this 3D world that money is the answer. Money is the answer to a lot of things. Money would be the answer for me to pay my bill. But who provides that money? Who is your provider? And unfortunately, we're sitting here digging in the dirt for money, 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 when God's up here and he's like, I've got you. Your dad is pulling his wallet out. He's like, I've got you. I don't want you digging in the ground looking for money. I want you planting good seed that's going to be fruitful for my kingdom. Okay? Digging in the ground for money is not fruitful. It's busy work. It's fruitless. Planting good seed and creating something that God's calling you to do to grow and prosper and to be fruitful is good work. Remember who is your provider. Who is your father in heaven saying, I've got you. So there is a balance of, yes, the scripture is filled, filled. Like Proverbs is so, I love Proverbs. There's so much wisdom there. It's to unpack that book alone would, I, it's, it's incredible the wisdom that's in Proverbs. Highly recommend reading it. And a lot of it, a huge majority of that book is about hard work, diligent work, fruitful work, and it's anti-laziness. So we are called to show up and to do something, but are you focused where you're supposed to focus? And what does that look like? So I want you to think of what these people in the Bible did for a living. Most of the people in the Old Testament were shepherds or kings. <laughs> they're, they're all over the place, but mo a lot of them were shepherds. That's how they built their wealth was animals, livestock. In the New Testament, a lot of them are fishermen. Does being a fisherman or being a shepherd, raising animals or catching fish, is that like, wow, the most holy job you could ever have? No. It's sheep and fish. Who cares? And I think nowadays, a lot of us judge other people because they're like, oh, well, I'm in full-time ministry. Great. 
that doesn't make them better than you and it doesn't make you better than them. Hear me out. The, the culture of comparison these days is so insanely toxic. Everybody knows this and yet we still do it time and time again. So-and-so is doing better than me over here. So-and-so is better at social media than me and their business is prospering more than me. And oh my gosh, they sold more houses than me. And oh, and they do more of God's work than me. They're more holy than me. They speak in tongues. I don't speak in tongues. God can't use me as much as they use them. Lies, 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 lies. If God can use a bunch of shepherds and a bunch of fishermen, he sure can use you. And here's the thing. I'm not saying God wants to keep you in your profession or in your business forever. That's between you and him. But he knows where you're at today. And he also knows where he wants to grow you tomorrow and the next day and the next day. But if you don't have your feet planted, planted on the rock, if you haven't built that strong foundation, then when the wind comes and the rain comes and the storm comes and the floods rise up, you're going to be shaken all over. Your business is going to crumble. Your or your relationships are going to crumble. Man, I see that too much. It's there's few things that break my heart more than people pouring everything into a business to watch their marriage crumble, their friendships crumble, their their relationship with their kids crumble, and it happens all the time. That is not having your feet firmly planted on the rock. That is having an idol whether it's wealth or success or an image you're pursuing, you need to be in the word and you need to be in prayer so that God can guide you. So that when God says, okay, give that up and then go over here and you're like, wait a minute, I've been building this business for 10 years. And God's like, I know it's time to pivot that you go. When God said, hey, Noah, I know you don't know like what rain is, but like I'm going to send waters and it's going to flood and like everyone's going to die, but like you're going to build this giant boat and everybody's going to think you're ridiculous and they're going to make fun of you, but I'm going to save you and your family. So, you know, go ahead and do it. And Noah's like, I'm going to do what? He did it. So the more of us, the found, the more foundation you have on God, on his word, on his promises. Now his promises often come with an ask. And what do I mean by this? I mean, a lot of people like to say, well, there's like the name it and claim it groups. There's the prosperity gospel people. There's the poverty gospel people. Here's the thing. There's some truth in each of those because they take scripture out of context. And so they can take this scripture and be like, oh, this is what that means. And, but ultimately you need to read God's word as a whole because then you can understand that God is asking something of you. He's asking for your obedience. He's asking you to walk his narrow path. He's asking you to seek righteousness. He's asking you to put him first. He's asking you to seek him with your whole heart because then he can guide you in your business. Then he can guide you in your finances. Then he can guide you in your marriage. Then he can guide you in your relationship with your kids. Then he can guide you in your social life. Then he can guide you in everything. That's what putting him first looks like. 
I hope this is getting through. Now, that is partly why like the hustle culture is so toxic. It is, yes, God wants you to work hard. He wants you to be diligent. He wants you to be fruitful and successful. And he does want you to prosper. That is biblical. That is truth. That can be, I can show you that over and over and over and over again in scripture. However, if you are not walking his path, if you are not being obedient, if you are not being fruitful, if you are choosing to go counter to that, you don't walk in his promises. That doesn't mean he can't use you. I mean, God used a lot of people who were like off their kilter, but they didn't get the blessing. He used them for his kingdom. Everything is used to the glory of God. Everything will work toward the glory of God. But that doesn't mean you're going to get the blessing. That doesn't mean you're going to get the prosperity. It doesn't mean you get the prosperity that's really like true. There's a lot of rich people out there who are really miserable. Or like I said, have marriages crashing and burning. That's not worth it to me. I'd rather be broken on the streets with joy, peace and joy from God. Like, but I haven't always been in that place. I have been in the place where I thought financial monetary success I don't know what I, if I would say I thought it was the answer, like logically I would know better, but my actions and what I was putting my faith in and what I was seeking out was counter to what I logically knew. Does that make sense? I, I knew better than to say money is happiness, but I was living as if that was, I was seeking money first because that was what, what bills come and it's stressful or, you know, we want to go on vacation and we you need money. God knows that you need it. He's going to provide it, but you need to be obedient and step onto his narrow path and put him as your foundation to step into that blessing. Okay. My suggestion is to pray and ask God what your first step is, because like I said, he knows where you're at today. He doesn't, it's, it's so funny because we like I said, the comparison mindset of like, well, I need to be like so-and-so. They're just so much better. And please, like, whatever you think of me right now, please don't put me up on a pedestal. Please. You're not called to be like me. You are called to be the way God created you to be. Now, we are called to be in fellowship. We are iron sharpens iron when two or more are gathered in his name. Like, like we need each other. But it's that, hey, I love you enough to love you where you're at and to help and encourage you to grow where you need to grow. It's like this balance of encouragement and push. And there's too much like fluff out there right now. There's too much of people giving you what you want and what you think you need and what makes you feel good. We're just seeking man's validation all the time of like, hey, make me feel good right now so that like I can go and sit on the couch and you know watch some more TV. And that's not the answer. Like self-love, if you're defining love the way God defines love, he wants to grow you from where you're at right now. He loves you enough to not keep you where you're at right now. He has immeasurable amount of purpose in you and he wants to use you, but you've got to get on the path and you've got to start saying yes when he calls you. But how can you know he's even calling you if you don't know how to hear his voice and you aren't in the word yourself and you are not talking to him and you are not listening to him? All right. I wrote this down. If this resonates, pray this prayer. 
God, show me where to focus first to be fruitful for your kingdom. Show me the idols I have and what I need to toss in my life. Reveal to me my next step. Show me how I can prosper in a way that glorifies you, building you as my rock, as my strong foundation, so that when the rain and floods come, I will not be shaken. All right. God bless. I will see you Monday for episode five. Thank you for being a part of the Wealth and Legacy Builders podcast. If you found value here today, please take a moment to leave us a review and share this podcast with someone else who will be blessed by this message. We'll see you Monday for the next episode.